0: Hi everyone and welcome to the 99 Yards Podcast. I'm your host Duncan Terry and this week I'm joined by our Canadian Football League expert Chris Lawton. How's things Chris?
1: Things are great, thanks Duncan, thanks for having me on. um, I'm feeling excited, ready for the Grey Cup on Sunday. This is a great time of year for me.
0: (laughs) I bet, I bet. Uh, This week obviously we're going to be focusing solely on Sunday's Grey Cup final between the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, We have guests on both sides. Marshall Ferguson, who's a CFL.ca analyst, that's important to remember, CA, isn't it? Uh, And commentator, uh, as well as Blue Bombers fan, the UK bomber, aka Frank Causley. So, Chris, before we uh, we speak to our guests, kick us off. How's the season been, uh, particularly for our two finalists?
1: It's been a fantastic season. Lots of exciting stuff's happened. I'd probably say that to you after every CFL season because I love it so much. But for our two teams, particularly, it's been huge because these two teams have had the longest uh, stretch without winning a championship. So either way on Sunday, something's got to give. They're calling it uh, the drought bowl because it's been a drought for both teams. Uh, and it's been 29 years for Winnipeg, 20 years for Hamilton. So one of them is going to be very happy come the end of the game on Sunday.
0: That is a long drought, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah, wow. it, it, is.
1: And it, it feels like a bit of a curse to both sets of fans, I think. I think Hamilton fans feel like this is their year because it's the 20th anniversary of the '99 win, their last win, and they are—they've had the best record of any team in the league. They've gone 15 and three regular season, won their their postseason game. They've set a franchise record for wins. They really feel like the momentum's with them.
0: It's going to be a shame for for the fans of one of them for sure. Um, where will the game be won and lost on Sunday, and who are the key players and position groups?
1: The game any game is usually won and lost in the trenches. whoever can dominate the line then then the skill play skill area players are gonna benefit from that. But the real key areas for Hamilton it's gotta be they've got a great rhythm passing game and their receivers are fantastic and if Winnipeg are gonna win this game they're gonna have to disrupt that in some way. Winnipeg they're more of a running team, although they do go vertically down the air quite down the They do go vertically down the field a bit more now because they've got Zach Kolaris in a quarterback that they brought in in a trade recently. So they are going to want to run it well and they're going to want to take some chances. Hamilton, conversely, are going to play man defence and they're going to try and disrupt that and look for turnovers to try and win the game that way. But I think they'll expect their offence to click and dominate. It's a case of, will it be a close game because they're holding each other? Or if either team dominates it, it's going to be Hamilton.
0: That sounds like a close one.
1: Hopefully. That's what we're all hoping. (laughs) Fingers crossed. If you're looking at it as a a neutral, then that's what you want more than anything. And I mean, we've had four great cups that have been shown in this country so far. None of them has been a blowout. Two of them have been absolute classics. One was an overtime win. The other one was the Snow Globe game in 2017. It's just been tremendous. If we can live up to either of those, we'll be delighted.
0: (laughs) What's a a Snow Globe game?
1: Uh, 2017 game when Toronto upset Calgary in in the snow in Ottawa. It, it it started snowing just before the game, and it just looked incredible as the game went on. It looked more and more incredible. The snow coming down, uh, and then they had this really, uh, it just felt unbelievably Canadian, which sounds like a ridiculous uh, thing. I thing know you mean So Night Twain came on with on a sled with Huskies, and uh, the snow was still coming down, and the snow was coming down at the end of it. And they were doing Snow Angels, and it had. A hundred-yard touchdown pass and a hundred and something-yard fumble return for two it of is. the longest plays in Grey Cup history. It was just—it wasn't just the game; it was the picture of the game as well that made it the snow globe game.
0: Everything but Santa. I think it's about time we got a guest on, right? Let's welcome Marshall Ferguson. Hi, Marshall. Welcome to the Ninety-Nine Yards Podcast. Uh, tell us, how was your season?
2: Uh, it was excellent. It was uh, it was a unique season for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, setting a franchise record with 15 wins and an opportunity to be able to improve on that. And win a Great Cup Championship as well, so it's been a uh, it's been a fun ride for sure to be able to see the team come together. But I enjoyed this year a lot. There was a lot of great storylines and a lot of great players, and it's uh, it's all kind of culminating now in Great Cup Weekend, which I always love.
0: Hey, we, we follow uh, we follow Jeff Rainbow very seriously in the UK, and we can tell it's been uh, a wild ride. Um, and, of course, we're really pleased to have you on in the in the run-up to the Grey Cup. But uh, I'm going to pass it over to Chris, uh, our CFL expert, who's
2: got several questions for you.
1: Hi, Marshall. Uh, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it.
2: Your Absolutely, yeah. It's good to connect with you guys.
1: OK. Your introduction there does raise a question that I was going to start off with straight away. It's just a, a bit of a cheeky one, really. But the CFL simulator recently gave Winnipeg a 64% chance of winning this game. Has a 16-3 and three team ever had more disrespect than that, do you think?
2: Uh, yeah, it's funny. The uh, the CFL simulation at times this year has been very accurate, and at other times, whatever computer has been processing and punching out those numbers has been way off the mark. So uh, I'm interested to see how close that comes to fruition. I think if you look at the history of the Great Cup and where it's been played, uh, you know, you've got the East Division and the West Division, of course, in the CFL, and you've got teams that Uh, There's never been a West versus West great cup because we do have the crossover as we call it in CFL for some of your listeners that might not know where if you are the fourth best team in the West you can actually make it into the Eastern playoff bracket if you're better than the third team in the East in terms of your record and otherwise so um, to be able to have that there's been some crossovers but there's never been West versus West so it's always there's an East team versus a West team and they play of course obviously in either an Eastern or a Western division city. And it's been about a decade plus since a team has won the Grey Cup outside of playing in their division. And so the Tiger Cats play in the East, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers play in the West, and this Grey Cup is in the West. So if you want to go off that singularly, then yeah, you could make the argument that they should have a slight advantage. I think Winnipeg was one of the more talented teams throughout the regular season. They hit some bumps on the road with quarterback injuries and and some things that happened on defense to them that were unfortunate, but they've kind of pieced it together down here on the road and been able to win two straight playoff games, and that's, uh, that's how they get themselves to this point. So I would say, yeah, they have the slight advantage at this point. Even though I've been around the Ticats uh, all year, they're incredibly talented, but they also love to kind of wear that black hat and say that they're the underdog. So I think they would embrace that simulation number.
1: Okay. Um, speaking of them being the underdog, but not really, they've played Winnipeg twice this season. They've beaten them twice. They've gone 15-3, and three, as you've alluded to. They've, they've won the East. I mean, they've set a franchise record this year. But is there any worry that they kind of cruised past Edmonton in the, East, in the East final, whereas Winnipeg had a real battle with Saskatchewan and have been in playoff mode for nearly a month? Is there any worry that Winnipeg are more battle-ready?
2: Yeah, you know what? I think that's totally valid and totally fair. Like, when I look at the way that Winnipeg has played, they've had to go into incredibly difficult environments. Again, for your listeners that don't know – as i'm sure you do but like it's going into the west and into calgary is not easy and going into (laughs) regina is arguably the most difficult place to get a road win at any time especially when you're talking about being able to do it in the playoffs with the environment they had and the first time that the riders have had the playoff by and hosted the western final in quite some time as well and so um they are i think more battle ready when it comes to the preparation and the fact that they're kind of locked in it's almost that kind of rest versus rust conversation that you have in any sport at the end of the regular season but for the tiger cats they don't really have that many major injuries to speak of. And the major one that they did have in Jeremiah Masoli, they've been able to backfill with Dane Evans playing quarterback at a level that has just been equal to or maybe even greater than Jeremiah Masoli when he was at his best playing for the Tiger Cats at the most important position on the field. So uh, I think that it's uh, the idea of being ready to go into action. You're not going to have anybody on either team who doesn't feel as though they are absolutely prepared to be able to go into this game and come out victorious. Um, with that being said, that is the uh, the disillusional uh, mentality of the athlete very often, and they have to believe in themselves before anybody else can believe in them, and I respect that because that's their job.
1: Okay. Speaking of Dane Evans as well, he seems incredibly level-headed, incredibly mature. He's, as you say, he's really stepped into the role fantastically, and he was talking the other day about the Grey Cup, reminding him of his bowl games with Tulane. Do you expect him to adjust, adjust to this game, take it in his stride?
2: Yeah, I do. I really do. It's the thing that I love about Dane uh, is that his dad was his high school football coach. And so he kind of has this understanding because he's been taught from the youngest of ages by his dad and, and, you know, living in the house and watching football with his dad, who was also his coach and his offensive coordinator, that there's just a right way to prepare and there's a right way to study the game and the right way to play. And you have to be efficient, but you have to be daring and you have to be aggressive down the field in order to keep the defense honest and make them defend every inch of the field. And there's all these little things that he's picked up over time. And you combine that with just his personality and how grounded he is. And I think you end up kind of having this perfect combination of somebody who was ready to step into the limelight. And I don't think you can always say that about a backup quarterback that's put in a pressure situation with a roster that's good enough to go to the great cup, but he certainly feels as though this was his moment. This was his opportunity. And some people step up and answer the bell and other people crumble underneath the pressure. I think you've seen that in various different CFL markets this year, where a backup quarterback comes in and just doesn 't play at a high enough level, like for me Chris Trevler in Winnipeg incredibly talented running quarterback, but not ready yet to be a passer like Dane Evans was when he stepped in for Jeremiah masoli so the idea of being able to kind of feel the moment, embrace it, and also just kind of take it on head on first i think that's that 's really what separated him from a lot of the other backup quarterbacks that have come in this season, but he is he 's grounded he 's down to earth he 's honest he 's forthright i mean he's just he 's one of those people that you 'd run into the street. And you would never know that he was the starting quarterback of a professional football team that was putting up all these statistics. And I think that's one of his greatest strengths because it it leads him to being a natural kind of leader of men in the huddle. And the guys around him seem to really respect the person that he is first. And then after that, the player that he is, it's very easy to love what he does on the football field.
1: Well, he is leading a great offense in Hamilton. I mean, they've had a fantastic season, which I'm an Argos fan. So it hurts me to say this, but they have had a fantastic season. (laughs) Um, their passing game is kind of built around accurate passing into space. Uh, and will the weather factor into that at all? Because I've been looking at all the snow in Calgary, or is they just going to ignore that? And yeah, I will they be able to the, get their uh, winning game going? Because I know that the digger line of Winnipeg is really strong on that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's kind of two schools of thought on that, which is that you can approach it by being scared of Winnipeg's defensive line and trying to throw extra protection at it, or you can embrace it and kind of use their strength against them. And for Winnipeg, they love to rush up the field, um, they love to be able to be aggressive and force the tackles to kind of chase these long, lanky defensive ends and Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson kind of around the edge. And I think the Ticats, there might be a whole lot of draw plays. There might be a lot of inside trap plays. They might use the big fullback, Nicholas Kalinich to be able to kind of kick people out uh, on those defensive end spots by running the football. But yeah, the, the basis of the Tiger Cats offense is always going to be passing. That's how they have built their identity. Brandon Banks, Braylon Addison, Luke Tasker. I mean, insert name here. They've found guys that can produce as receivers this year. And for me, the exciting part about this game is just how much do the Ticats decide to go away from the identity they've carved out as a passing team and play off of their tendencies by running the football and running it effectively. Because anybody can run the football, but it's a matter of whether or not you're picking up three-plus yards on first down and whether or not you're converting on second and five when you call a running play. Like These little moments in the Grey Cup, you only get – 50 to 70 snaps off in a game. And, and you have to be able, if you're going to call 15, 20 running plays to hit on all notes on about 90% of those running plays and pick up the yardage required because you're not going to hit at hundred percent clip or even a 90% or 80% clip in your passing game. You're just not like if you get to 70, 75%, I would say that's a win. So the ground game is going to be integral to what they do, but yeah, the passing attack, it will define the great cut between these two teams because both are very creative and very imaginative in the way that they kind of draw up these pass route combinations.
1: Okay, great. Well, we've talked about um, Hamilton's offense a lot, but their D is also very strong. Obviously, you've got Simone Lawrence leading the line, gets a lot of the attention. But you've got the likes of Jagara Davis and Dylan Wynn on the interior. Do you think they can hold strevler and Harris and and, and um, stop the running game?
2: Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is going to be trying to deal with Zach Kolaros and the passing attack, which the secondary is really going to be charged with that. And I, and I think that it really comes down to whether or not Hamilton can play the football in the air not take bad uh, defensive pass interference penalties, the ability to be able to get knockdowns clean, or even create opportunities and a couple of interceptions like they did against Trevor Harris of the Edmonton Eskimos in the Eastern final last Sunday. So if they can do that, they're in a great position to be able to win. But Simone Lawrence is just a buzzsaw of a linebacker. He's going to be incredibly fired up if the Tiger Cats are going to be rocking their all-black uniforms for the Grey Cup on Sunday. And I I look at the way that Justin Tuggles built in for Larry Dean, at middle linebacker. It's been fantastic. Rico Murray has come in and taken place of Don Namba, who was the Sam linebacker last year for them. Um, that's, that's the real place I think the Tiger Cats have an opportunity to be able to win and create opportunities for themselves, is just to be able to make plays all over the field at all three levels of the defense, but the running game specifically, we asked about there with Andrew Harris and with Chris Strebler, if they send in that package and they try to run it straight at the teeth of the Cats, I have to imagine that Hamilton is going to have a package of personnel defensively where maybe it's an extra defensive lineman. Maybe it's an extra linebacker, maybe a bigger body in the middle of that defense where they're just going to fill the gaps and try to force Harris and Strebler to beat gap contain or to go play action and take a shot over the top. Cause the Tiger cats believe their secondary can defend and man coverage with anybody. And so if they force them into that look, then I think you've got a really interesting stylistic matchup. And then it's just a game of coordinator versus coordinator, execution, alignment, understanding of what your role is on each and every play, filling your gap, making sure that you make tackles in the hole when you have an opportunity to, because if you don't, Winnipeg's going to hang a lot of points. They've got that ability either on the ground or through the air.
1: That's a really interesting answer because my next question was actually about Zach Kolaros airing it out, taking chances downfield sometimes, and Hamilton playing man defense and whether they would actually, that would suit them because it would give them opportunities for turnovers.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think the, the interesting stat that I pulled from the playoffs so far this year, there's been eight playoff games, uh, eight playoff teams so far this year in the four playoff games, of course, the Eastern semifinal, Western semifinal, Eastern final, and Western final. And of the eight teams that have played in those games, uh, the team that has led in terms of average yards of depth per target, which is just how aggressive they are throwing the ball down the field, was actually Winnipeg in the Western Final against Saskatchewan last week. They averaged 16.3 yards per pass target. Now, if you know anything about kind of basic football Ooh. analytics or tendencies, usually the average in the NFL, the CFL, is in and around somewhere between 10 and 12 yards. So to be all the way up at 16.3, I knew that they were aggressive throwing down the field with Kolaros. I didn't realize how aggressive they were until after I had an opportunity to be able to crunch the numbers. Interestingly enough, the team that was second highest when it came to that same statistic of average depth per target in the entire playoffs amongst the eight teams that have played in those four playoff games was the tie catch in the Eastern final against Edmonton. So this is a league that rewards kind of the, uh, the bold downfield passing attack. And I think that's what you saw with that statistic. But yeah, the, I think it's two different type of game plans you have to have defensively if you're the Tiger Cats. The first is dealing with Strevler and Harris in the run game and being able to fill those gaps and allow your linebackers to make plays. The second is Kolaros and that base offense being in, you know the tendency is going to be about 75% pass, and if that's the truth, then you need to be able to take away everything you can in the in the ground game, but you got to stay honest to Zach Kolaros' arm because he'll hang up 400 yards plus on you if he gets the opportunity against man coverage all over the place and you don't give him any kind of looks to confuse him or mix and match and make him think twice at the line of scrimmage.
1: Okay. Um, I'm a big fan of special teams play. I'm I'm always banging the drum about how it's overlooked. So (laughs) I've got to mention it. Which team do you think has the advantage? And we're mentioning it as well, because like Duncan said earlier, Jeff Reinbold has quite involved with the the football scene over in the UK. So we know he's involved with the Ticats. We know he's running quite a good special teams unit over there. Who, Who do you think has the advantage in this area?
2: Yeah. I, you know what? Reinbold's my guy. Like when I watch Jeff Reinbold and the way that he executes on special teams, the success they've had this year, whether it's in the kicking game, the return game, the, the alignment, the element of surprise, some of the fakes that he's run this year, the creativity, the imagination, his special teams playbook is, I think, deeper than anybody else in the entire Canadian Football League. And then the opportunity for him to be able to have a dynamic return man like a Frankie Williams, I think, is a game changer for the Tiger Cats this year. They can also sprinkle in somebody like Brandon Banks, who's, of course, a former standout returner who's now their best receiver in the MOP in the Canadian Football League this year. Um, If you have that type of setup where you've got personnel, you've got great coaching, and you've got a good bunch of national linebackers and and returners up front as well, such as uh, some names that people don't know, like a Curtis Newton or a Connor McGough. I mean, there's a lot of guys that go under the radar from... The University of Calgary, or Guelph University, or McMaster University, with Mike Daly, who's a former free safety that was a starter and now has accepted a role that's different on this team. That's why I think I give them the advantage. As you look at every piece of what special teams really is, and they have the ability to be able to beat you either in the return, or with their special teams coverage units, or just by scheme. Because Reinbold absolutely knows what he's doing. Mike O'Shea, the head coach of Winnipeg, is a special teams guy as well. He's not going to be fooled by anything Reinbold does, but. I just feel like the talent and the personnel is right there for the Tiger Cats to be able to claim special teams, which could be the tipping point in the entire Grey Cup.
1: Great. And you mentioned Mike O'Shea there. So who do you think has the advantage in coaching? The two former teammates coming together, facing off against each other here, who, who do you give the advantage to there?
2: Yeah, I, I like the fact that these guys are friends and that they, they trust in each other and they understand each other's strengths and weaknesses. It creates a really kind of dynamic matchup going in because there are no secrets. Like there's absolutely nothing that you're going to see in that game that they don't already understand about each other, which I think is really unique because often in the coaching fraternity, you know people, but you aren't necessarily uh, this well-versed in what they do. And so that's really, really, I think, kind of strange, but also exciting about this matchup. Um, in terms of the coaching, I think the way Orlando Steiner has been able to build his roster out this year with the front office staff in Hamilton, the way he's been able to bring them together, um, they've done a great job in Winnipeg of piecing it together on the fly. But the TyCats, I think, from top to bottom, have bought into what Orlando steinhardt has been selling this year. It's how they got to that 15-win regular season. It's how they were able to win when they were at home in the Eastern Final. And so I give the advantage to the Tiger Cats, just because there's this culture that's been built in, but there's also great top-end talent. And when you combine those two things, you got a championship-caliber roster, which is what Sunday's all about, is proving the fact that, yeah, it's not just a very good team who won a bunch of games in the regular season. It's an iconic, legendary team that won a championship, which Hamilton hasn't had since 1999.
1: I know it's the 20th anniversary this year. You must feel a bit like they're cursed at times because you, I'm thinking back to Speedy B's punt return in the, in the Grey Cup a few years ago that was called back. And um, when they had Zach and he went down, there were seven and two or something in the season. He looked really good. Yeah. And he went so, you know, there's a lot of moments where it looked like it could have been their moment. So, But you could say that about both teams.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I I take full blame for is my first time ever calling a Hamilton Tiger Cats game on radio was the game that Zach Kalaros tore his ACL in, which completely (laughs) threw off his MOP candidacy. So that was the, it was like the middle of the season. And the guy who was calling the games at the time for us on my radio station, uh, he ended up having to go to a wedding. So they kind of threw me into the fire and it's the middle of the third quarter and Zach's knee goes out from underneath him. And I'm like, wow, am I the reason? Like, am I the the fault of what's going on here? But uh, yeah, there's been a lot of moments of heartbreak, but again, this if they triumph on Sunday, I think that heartbreak will just be completely eliminated. People won't even think about the last 20 years. It'll almost be like what the Raptors championship was to a lot of the people in Hamilton that love basketball. It's You get that championship glow and you kind of forget about everything else that's happened before and the struggle that you've had to be able to get to that point. And at that point, I mean, you're champions and nobody can ever take that away from you, which is what Hamilton's aiming for.
1: So um, you've basically given the advantage to Hamilton on offense, defense, special teams and in the coaching. Who do you think is going to win?
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what? I I am leaning Hamilton. I really am. I just feel like they're due. They've got the right group of people in there. They've done everything that they're required to be able to get to this point and and have success. Again, I don't want to undermine what Winnipeg's done this year because they've got an incredible roster. They've got great coaching. They've got top end talent on their defense. They've got a quarterback that's been able to figure it out on the fly in the last month since being acquired via trade from the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, But for Hamilton, there's this weird kind of magic around this team. And for them to fail – and to lose, even if it was more than you know, three points or end of the game, it would just be absolutely crushing to them because they've been on this journey all year long. And to see it come crashing down to me, uh, I, I just don't feel like they're that type of roster. I, I don't want to say they're a team of destiny, but they certainly have that feeling that if things go wrong, they'll find a way to be able to correct it on the fly. And I think that's a really unique characteristic in a team. And it's very commonly a characteristic in a championship team, which is what they feel like.
1: Yeah, I know. I know a lot of Hamilton fans online have been talking about how this team feels like the 99 team.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's got that same kind of vibe. I mean, it's, it's unique because in 99, the Tiger cats had, you know, a veteran quarterback who was established in Danny McManus. And they had a defense that um, could do it at all three levels, but was kind of more daring. And the play calling on offense was a little bit more of a downfield passing attack than they've had this season. And they, just, they just they had so many different aspects but at the same time it comes back to that human aspect that so often determines playoff games is do you believe in the guy next to you do you trust him do you know that he's going to be in the right spot at the right time do you communicate when the the stadium is crazy loud and and everybody is losing their minds and, and you know fireworks are going off and the anthems the emotion of the moment can you trust the people around you and i think that's the common bond more than anything else that the 99 team has to 2019
1: okay well Uh, I hope it's a great game more than anything else. And uh, thank you very much.
2: Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, it should be uh, be a great one. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, there's a lot of matchups that I think people are going to be interested in and diving into. If anybody wants more coverage, of course, on the Great Cup, just go to CFL.ca. I'm here for them all week long, covering and talking about it and breaking down all the little bits and pieces that I think are going to add up to this being a really, really fun game. So I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you.
0: Well, thank thank you very much to to Marshall there for joining us uh, in their busy uh, in their busy media schedule. Uh, if it's anything like the NFL, uh, I can imagine it is. Um, you know, pretty appreciate the time. Um, so now let's hear a little from the uh, from the Winnipeg perspective uh, in the interest of fairness. Welcome to the podcast, Frank Horsley. Hi, Frank. Welcome to the Ninety Nine Hours podcast. I guess we could call you a, a Blue Bombers superfan. Uh, you oh. must be pretty excited about Sunday.
3: Oh, very excited How about superfan. Um, I go under the the title of the UK bomber, and um, I'm out there trying to find as many sort of like blue bombers fans in, in the UK and Ireland, but uh, there's not many of us at the moment, but we're working on that. Oh, yeah, excited about uh, about uh, Sunday, yeah, I can't believe it really. I thought a few weeks ago, I thought, oh, we're going to struggle here, but um. I think we've had a few changes and a few a few things over the last few weeks and uh, coming back strong like we were at the beginning of the season. So, looking forward to it. it be a tough game, but looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, Frank, like like Duncan says, you're you know, a big Bombers fan. What is it about the Blue Bombers? What is it about their fandom that's drawn you to that team, to drawn you to the, the CFL and the Blue Bombers in particular?
3: Yeah, I've been asked this loads of times because I got loads of uh, uh, media uh, attention when I was over there for the Banjo Bowl and I... I was on uh, CBC last night on an interview on their, their sort of like TV programme on Skype as well. And and I always get asked this question. Now, like a lot of fans um, over here, you know, you get into NFL. I used to be into NFL when I was younger, drifted away from it, got back into it over the last few years. But um, I sort of thought, oh, well, I fancy having a look at Canadian football, see what the difference is. I it, it's been slightly different. So I had a look at it, I watched it on YouTube and uh, really i just find it a much better game so i'm completely converted to <laughs> cfl now i just find nfl just a bit like you know it's a bit like uh, somebody calls it violent chess um i just prefer I, put, I just prefer cfl i guess it's the difference between rugby league and rugby union i guess that's the nearest thing i ever said when i'm t- trying to explain uh, explain this this uh, obsession i have with it but the blue bombers i don't know I, I just I just got drawn to them. I don't know. I don't know whether it was the fact that they haven't won the the Great Cup for years and years and years, or it's just the fan base, or you know. But uh, I, I sort of got into them, and then when I went over, and I've been connected with people on social media for for, for quite a while now, and and they're such a good bunch, and uh, they made me feel so welcome. when I was over there, it's like a second home now. So I can't wait to go back next year.
1: Yeah, you mentioned though, that you'd uh, went over to see the Bombers pick and they won the Banjo Bowl, which must have been nice oh yeah
3: it was a good game
1: Uh, and also that you've made a lot of connections with people over there so how would it feel knowing them like that to see them lift the lift the trophy on Sunday would it would it add to it
3: oh it would add to it yeah I would add to it yeah this as I say I've got a lot of really good friends over there super generous I mean I would say you know one of the taglines is friendly Manitoba and and it's absolutely correct I've 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 you know there's such a great bunch and they couldn't do enough for me when I was over there and they're really really passionate uh, and the fact that you know they've not won the cup for years and years and years um i know how much it would mean to them and it, it means a lot to me as a, a recently new superfan so to speak but um yeah yeah it'd be great I can't wait 11 11 p.m i think i'll have a couple, a couple of beers first but uh yeah yeah it's been it's a, I'm really really looking forward to it
1: they might have to adopt you as their mascot eh, if they haven't won it since 1990 and then you come along and they win it
3: well, I went to the banjo Bowl and uh, we absolutely slaughtered Saskatchewan in, in in the banjo Bowl this year. And saying, "Well, you should come every week like this." I said, "Well, it's a bit, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a trek every week. You know, I don't mind, but you know, I know Canadians like to, you know, they don't think anything about uh, traveling six hundred miles or things to a game, but you know, four and a half thousand mile flight is a little bit different. <laughs> uh,
1: um, on the specifics of the game on Sunday, Winnipeg have lost both times they've played Hamilton this year. And uh, the tie Cats yeah. have had a record-setting season. You know, they're sixteen and three at this point. They the best season in their history. If they win the cup to add on to the end of it, what's going to be different this time? Why? Why can you envisage Weedingback winning it this time?
3: The tie cuts are. Uh, uh, don't get me wrong. I, I, I think they are the favourites. I mean, tie cuts have been the best. Uh, the best side this year in the league, and I don't think anybody you know be churlish to sort of like disagree with that. They've been absolutely excellent. I mean, look at them at home. I think it's. Ten and zero or something like that, and I think uh, I think Adair um, Evans is something like ten and two or something like that for the year, which is amazing for a, for a guy like him. And their offend- well, whole round team is really really strong. Um, when we played them at IGF uh, a few weeks ago, I mean we just didn't turn up, and they absolutely battered us. Simone Lawrence got the uh, got the most tackles ever in CFL in a single game, and it was a bit it was a bit embarrassing. But um, that, was, that was way back then. And the, the whole uh, Bombers approach and set-up has changed since then with a few key pieces put in that sorted a few things out. And we're back to uh, where we were at the beginning of the season, uh, if, not, if not better than we were at the beginning of the season. So I think when the Ticats turn up, they're going to be against a whole totally different mindset, totally different game against the Bombers, and I will know they're going to be in a game.
1: So that would be good because when Winnipeg started the season, they went out like a freight train, didn't they, to start yeah,
3: off? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We played a lot of poor teams first up, like we got the, uh, you know, right. we got Otto, Ottawa in and out in the first couple of weeks. So I mean, that's that's two two wins on the board for anybody, really. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was going it was going well. You know, Matt Nichols was doing really well at QB, Then he got his he got his injury, you know, um, and and that was unfortunate. And uh, but the real turning point in the in the last few weeks is, I think has been uh, getting Zach Kolaris in, in the last, uh, last 30 seconds of the trade that was yeah, really def- the big turning point
1: definitely and now you've got a two headed monster at quarterback really you've got the passing of Zach and you've got the running of Chris Strebler does that uh, give you an advantage do you think?
3: I think it does. I think, um, uh, to be fair to Saskatchewan, they did really well last week. I mean, Saskatchewan, look, it was a good game, and they, they really closed us down the running running game. And a few weeks ago, if you could close our running game down, we, went, we were stuffed, really. Uh, but now we've got Kolaris in there, he can chuck the ball, you know, 60, 70 yards to, to anybody, really. And it's, it's a totally different kind of fish, yeah.
1: Yeah, and Winnipeg, how you you've kind of alluded it to that. They've had one of the highest proportions of cold running plays throughout the season. If you include the the cold quarterback running play. yeah, yeah. So they can use that to wear Hamilton down, but you, you also Zach is willing to go downfield quite a lot. You, you think having the two together is is going to be a very different experience for Hamilton?
3: I don't know because I mean the 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 sort of like tw- one two twin attack was something that. Uh that we've had for quite a while i mean nichols and strevler were doing that last year and they were doing it beginning this year as well i mean strevler's chris strevler a great guy and i think as i think, i think as um as uh, as zach said he's the toughest guy in the league he's a tough he's a tough boy he really really gives it everything he's got and you can see he gives it everything he's got and i met him and he's he's quite a physical specimen for a for he looks like a running back uh, but he's a quarterback um, so I think they'll they'll continue to do that. Uh, I think we'll try and do that again this weekend, like we did so well against the Stamps at McMahon. Uh, but as I say, um, with Zach there being able to throw the ball as well, it just it just gives us a lot more options than we've had a few weeks ago. Yeah.
1: On the other side of the ball, do you think the Bombers' can disrupt the Hamilton the rhythm of the Hamilton passing attack?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's the big thing for us. That is a really really big test for us because. I mean, that, that receiving core that they've got at Hamilton has been incredible this year, really, hasn't it? I mean, I think we'd all agree with that one. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And our secondary, it, uh, sometimes during the season, has, has been a little bit left to be a little bit desired. I won't mention the second half against uh, the Alouettes down in <laughs> Mont- Montreal, which, was, uh, which I watched with, uh, with, with, with my draw dropping as I was watching it. I mean, that was, that was pretty bad. And I mean, a lot of people have given Richie Hall a lot of grief as defensive uh, coordinator, but he's pulled it out of the bag. There's been a few changes really on um, on the secondary and in the backfield that's made a big difference. I think bringing Mercy Maston in and uh, Nick Taylor, I think they're, t- they're two guys that have come in um, and made a big difference really and I'm a big. I love Jeff Hecht. He's a, I think he's great. He's a bit of a cult hero of, of of a lot of people. But having Brandon Alexander down at deep safety, just to, it's it's a totally different secondary we've got now, uh, probably than the last time we played against the Ticats, So, I think we're in a good position to take him on. But hey, look, you know that receiving call that they've got is is somewhere else, and they're going to take some stopping.
1: You've also got a, a good D line, a good fast interior line, and obviously Willie Jefferson stars there. He leads the league in knockdowns. Yeah. He, but he's facing off against Chris Van Zyl on the line, who is obviously yeah. an all-star himself.
3: It's going yeah, to be a yeah. great
1: matchup. Do you think Willie can dominate the game, or do you think he'll get negated?
3: Um, I think I think it's up to. You. I think Willie uh, could take anybody on really. It's a matter. Of, I mean, it depends how much they they put up against him, but I think. We were doing well as far as that's concerned, but I think having Willie on one side and Jeff Court on the other side just uh-huh. gives us a little bit of that option to pull them around a little bit. And um, you know, we, we're good on, on defensive line. I think we've got a really good defensive line, and uh, that's where we can we can hold them around there. As I say, the thing is about negating the the receiving call, I think really because um, Zane will be looking to to uh, to spray it around. I think really and testing our secondary.
1: Can we expect any trickery out of Winnipeg in this game do you think because Mike O'Shea often pulls something out of the bag.
3: Um I, I hope so. I hope they've got something in the in in the um in the bag. I'm sure you know Lapo's got something that uh, he will have worked on something this week. What I've done I think this week is have a look at what worked against the Stamps and where the running game was stopped by Saskatchewan because you know, the rough winders did a really good job on our running game. I mean, Harris didn't get off much. Treveller just hit brick walls every time he tried to whip run. So I'm sure Polar Police will have been have thought about this, this, this week and tried to come up with some new sort of like running plays or some new routes uh, and blocks to to sort of like try and throw into the mix a little bit to get that running game moving again. Because, you know, it's great having Zach there and he does throw and we've and, and he's He's opened up our receivers, which were basically weren't really there for much of the season after Matt Nichols got injured. Uh, but we really are, you know, are, the strength of our offense is in the running game. And really, if, if we're going to win on Sunday, we've got to get that running game moving again.
1: Yeah, and um, I can't not talk to you about the special teams as well, because earlier in the season you had uh, returns going off all over the place in the yeah. CFL. So yeah, yeah. Winnipeg were a big part of that. yeah imagine that their special teams can have a
3: big impact on sunday i think special teams are. Oh, i think special team our special team played really really well um in the western final um yeah we've got we've got that that threat i mean Janari and grant can run from anywhere and we can even put lucky whitehead in there as well so we've got a couple of runners who can who can bust through and and uh, and make a make a real sort of like effort but there's some lads in there that that you know like they don't get as much Credit as a, as it a possibly should do, like the rookie Exume, he was, He's a, he's been great this season, and um, there, there was a there was a tackle on 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 Sunday that nobody's talking about. Uh, I know the Tokyo lads mentioned it, but yeah, Shane Gortier made a tackle uh, to stop um, Saskatchewan running one back the other the other day, which was which was a real a real really good tackle. So, it, I mean, if you're going to win the Grey Cup, you've got to have all three phases in all three teams playing well haven't you especially against a team like cuts, uh, the guys will be up for it yeah absolutely yeah
1: definitely you have so what do you think Winnipeg's greatest strengths are going into this, their best chance of winning if you were to sit down and say this is our best chance of winning this is how we'll do it how would they do it
3: I think it is to try and uh, negate that you have to try You're gonna. Ha- we're going to have to try and negate the, the, the receivers that's what we've got to try and do keep strong uh, close up in the linebackers. I think Adam Bickell's got to have a massive got to have a got to have a massive game for us in in defence. And as I say, I think we need to get that one-two punch going. Um, Zach will be up for this, uh, and Zach's been incredible since he's, he's, he's been here. How he can he can get up to speed so quickly? But as I said, we need to get that punchy running going. Going. We need to we need to let Andrew Harris run. He needs to punch some holes through and get through as far as that's concerned as well.
1: Yeah, Zach has been phenomenal, uh, given how much time he hadn't been playing before that with his injury.
3: Mm. Uh,
1: but every time he steps back into the pocket, I always, I almost feel myself taking a breath because I'm thinking, don't, don't take the hit, don't take the hit with his history, you know.
3: Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, but I think, I think what we've done really well uh, since Zach's been in there, I, I think the, the, the lines really stepped up as far as that's concerned. I think. I, I like Mike Couture, as a good lad, but they brought Cody Speller into the middle now, and that 's that's that 's really really giving him some protection and they 're like pe- pe- think people coming back from injury like Pat Newfield as well these make a big difference when you 're trying to protect uh you know a quarterback um like that, so they 're aware of it, but you know he 's looked healthy he 's taken a few hits he 's got back up again, he looks like he 's loving the game. He can threaten you from everywhere. I mean, I was sitting there with my with my, with my heart in my mouth sort of when we were we we're on our own five yard line, and then he just whips the sixty yard pass to to Nick Dembski. That's the sort of thing he can do. And um, you know, the tie cuts will know that that this is a totally different game that they're going to, to, totally different bombers side that they're going to be up against uh, than the last time they played us. Yeah, that's it's
1: the third time you've played each other this season. But you are right, your your team is. Looking very different going into this one. You, yeah. What, what's your What's your prediction? What do you think? Are you going to just edge it, or, or how do you see it going?
3: I got asked this last night on on CBC Manitoba, and and I can't help but think it's going to be another one of those games like it was on Sunday, where you will be sitting with me head in my hands with about you know 30 seconds to go. I can't see it more. I can't see more than one score between the two teams really. I don't think either team will run away from it. Probably people think tie Cats will probably get moving and. And maybe it's blow the bombers away, but I don't think it'd be like that. I think it'd be like it was in the Western Final. I think it'd go three points or something either way. I, I, I think it'll go down to the wire.
1: Well, I hope so. That'd be fantastic for the neutrals watching. Although your heart rate might not be uh, the best during it.
3: Yeah, especially yeah, no, especially when it gets to about two o'clock in the morning. I mean, I might have to, I might have to keep a couple of beers going. I reckon. I've, uh, I'm 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 uh, in, inverted codes working from home the next day, so like uh, it shouldn't be too bad.
1: Oh, I no, see so
3: you're going to have a go at making poutine as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, kind of. A bit, but it's not really hard, is it? I mean, if you think about it, poutine, it's chips with gravy on and a bit of cheese chucked on the top. So <laughs> but it, it all depends on what recipes you get. I, I, I tweeted something out to, to my Winnipeg friend saying, give me your best recipes for, for spicing up poutine. So I'm getting all this sort of like spicy beef and all this sort of stuff. And it, it's a good stuff. So I'm going to have a bit of poutine at 11 o'clock at night. And uh, get a couple of beers in, uh, and then uh, and then see how we go. Should be good.
1: Whatever happens, both teams have had a great season, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. One set of fans is still going to be living under a curse, and one isn't. So good luck to both of them, I say.
3: Yeah, it is. That's the good thing about it because I think uh, I mean the tie. I mean, I was focused on the bombers. Obviously, but tie cuts haven't you know they won it for 20 years either, something like that. Something ridiculous. Years, yeah.
1: 99 last time they won it.
3: Yeah, so like it's 30, nearly 30 years for us and it's 20 years for them. So, um, yeah, it's I, I'm guessing uh, Cowtown at the moment must be must be quite a bouncing place at the moment with the Tirecats fans and the Bombers fans there. And, uh, you know, it's always good to be... It's always good to be... And especially you have it in, in the Stamps' uh, hometown as well. That makes me even more happy, to be honest. I
1: mean, <laughs> it would be perfect for you, wouldn't it? Beat Saskatchewan in the Western final win the great cup in calgary
3: hey look, look, look you know there's a lot goes on about it. i met when i was over at the banjo ball and on twitter as well i know loads of riders fans and uh, they were lovely whenever over there it was a great atmosphere and that's one of the great things you get about that rivalry Man, i haven't got a lot of time for the stamps now i think they're arrogant <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know well i
1: do I've, I've <laughs> fans of, of, of all the teams and they're all you know, across the CFL are very welcoming, very friendly. Yeah, they are. Tremendous, so tremendous, yes. you, kind of, you have the in-game rivalry and then afterwards you just shelve it and, you know, you're all part of one one bigger family, really.
3: Yeah, that's the, one of the good things about the game, really, when you go to other sports and you don't quite get that but uh, And you don't get that in the NFL either, but you do get it in the CFL. There, there is a sense of feeling, there's a, this sort of like oneness of family because, well, basically you live in the shadow of, of um, of NFL and also you know college football, which I don't quite understand, but um, I don't I, I, I don't understand why you know why CFL is a better game as far as I'm concerned. But you know, people think I'm a heretic. I'm not sure. I don't care.
1: <laughs> well, hey, Canadians will tell you they invented it anyway, so you know they'll tell you that the Southern game is an adaptation of their game.
3: Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, but no, nah, will <laughs> nah, I'll, I'll give it a miss now. I'll stick. We I'll stick with CFL.
1: I, I like them both, but you know, yeah,
3: yeah. I, oh, I could watch it still. Yeah, it's all good, good bit of fun, a good bit of banter, but yeah, yeah, yeah. CFL's the one for me now.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: Frank, thank you very much. Tell us, uh, t- tell, our, tell our listeners where they can find you uh, online, and I uh, understand you have a podcast.
3: All right, yeah. Well, I do, as I say, I do have a podcast that is... Uh, well, it was a bit of a test this year. I've, I've done a few episodes. I've, because of personal circumstances work and stuff, I've not been able to do it much over the last few weeks. So uh, I'm going to look at it over the over the um, off-season and, and, and look at a, a, a new sort of style for that for next year. And hopefully I'll have a regular podcast next year, which will be called Chucks Away, the UK bomber podcast. If you're on Twitter, if you look for... Um, at UK Bombers, then you'll come up with the UK Bomber, and you'll 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 find me there. And um, if you're on Facebook, uh, we've got a a Winnipeg Blue Bombers UK Facebook page as well. And I've actually got a you know one of those closed groups. Uh, I'm trying to find bombers fans that are, that are in Ireland in the UK either. Canadians that are living over here now or actually UK or Irish sort of Bombers fans and um, so I've got a little cl- private group as well so if you find me you can you can actually get in touch with me as well and you can join uh, British and Irish Blue Bombers and uh, there's not many of us at the moment because if you look at things like the Packers and things like that they've got about 870 members and some of them have got us, but there's 11 of us <laughs> but you know small but beautifully formed and we have you know we don't care you know, there's, there's, there's only a few of us but we know our team's the best None of these NFL teams,
0: and that's where we'll find all your best recipes. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's where you get it. I'll, I'll have a, yeah, I'll have a link in there for uh, Frankie's uh, poutine recipes uh, <laughs> soon. That'll be the next thing I'm going into, I think. Really, Frank's bring up bring up, bring out a cookbook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, well, thank you very much
0: for joining us, and uh, have a great game.
3: Cheers. No, thank you. I'm looking forward. It'll be great.
0: But thank you very much to Frank there. And I'm sure you will all be trying out his recipes uh, in time for the big game. Uh, Chips and gravy, very Northern. Um, Chris, finally, uh, finally from us, where can our UK viewers catch the game? And, of course, give us your prediction. Uh,
1: The game is on BT Sport and ESPN on Sunday from 11pm UK time. Uh, But if you can't get it on that, you can also get it on local radio stations. So you'd be able to get it, for example, on TSN 1150 Hamilton and you can listen to the radio play by play. Uh, You might even hear Marshall doing that. And my prediction for the game is I'm going to have to go with the favourites. I think Hamilton will win it in a reasonably close game.
0: I think think having heard from everyone, I'm going to go Hamilton too. And that's it for this week's show. Thank you very much to Marshall and Frank for joining us. And, of course, Chris. And, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the topics we discussed. And, of course, any feedback you might have, you can tweet us at 99yards. Uh, Make sure you're following Chris on Twitter, at CFLFanUK, in the lead-up to the big game on Sunday. Thanks for listening. (laughs)
3: Curated by Kohl's latest collection is now available in select stores and at kohls.com. For a limited time, shop unexpected new favorites like reusable drinkware from Corksicle and fun arts and crafts from UB. Warmies heatable plush toys are perfect for little ones. Homesick handcrafted candles are a great gift to make anyone feel at home. And who doesn't love sweet treats from Candy Club? Shop Curated by Kohl's for these digital need-to-know brands and more. Tap the banner now or visit kohls.com.